Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Folks, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today's episode, heads up, is going to be a bit of a bummer. So breathe deep and explore it with us. This is an important story. If you'd like to hear something a little less heavy, uh, we totally understand. Check out our recent cryptid episodes. I uh, particularly like to recommend The Mystery of the Thunderbird. Uh, but today we're talking about a genuine conspiracy, not a conspiracy theory. And it's a very old conspiracy. It's multi-generational. It ranges across the planet. It doesn't really know any borders at this point. It is a conspiracy that has likely directly affected you in some way already, and it may well affect you in the future. None of this can be taken for medical advice, uh, but we've talked about this off air and agree it is a story that needs to be told. Welcome to Asbestos. Here are the facts. First off, we've all heard the phrase, but what what is asbestos exactly? It's something that I think a lot of people 
um, we don't know the specifics about it. We're going to do as best as we can, though, to describe it to you. Sorry, I stole that joke from D News. Um, but it's true. Asbestos is a I mean, there was a time where it was considered a wonder material. Um, it is a kind of fibrous silicate material that is naturally occurring, interestingly enough. Um, and it occurs in six different types, and it's very, very old. We have evidence of it dating far back in history, and we'll get into that. But um, for most of human history, asbestos was known for its high heat resistance. Uh, it's also waterproof and largely indestructible. Um, you can find multiple examples of the stuff in the ancient world. Uh, there were stories of these quote-unquote napkins that could be cleaned by literally setting them on fire um, and you know tossing them into an open fire. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a silicate mineral specifically. So you'll hear in advertisements of years gone by, you'll hear it uh, being called a miracle rock or <laughs> uh, something like that. And it's somewhere between you know its its natural forms can be. Um, adapted and revised so it can function as a powder. It can function as like, it'll look like a bunch of string. Uh, you may associate it with the way that insulation looks because it's used in insulation. I love your, that you're bringing up the napkin story because there are multiple examples in the ancient world of like, there was this flex that wealthy people in Persia were known to do. You know, you'd eat a meal with a guest and then you would be like, uh, hold my beer, watch this. And you would take your dirty napkin, you throw it in the fireplace. And when, you, when the fire was out, you take it out and you'd be like, oh, look at my clean napkin. This is what being rich is like. What are you, the king of France? Like you can just set your napkins on fire? Um, no, it's true. It's neat too because you can uh, have it as like a solid and then you can apply heat to it and literally stretch it out. And it becomes this almost like, I don't know, makes me think of, Flom or something or one of those like what is that stuff ublek you know where it goes from one state to another depending on the conditions um so it's something that you can actually kind of almost do like a little magic trick uh with to uh, impress your guests it's similar in that way to like a non-newtonian fluid uh the stuff that doesn't obey the usual rules of viscosity uh you've probably had an experiment with that or maybe your kids have had an experiment with that in school folks uh it, it's true. People knew about this stuff for thousands of years, and everybody, for thousands of years, everybody was basically like the excited person on an infomercial going, oh, my God, I can't believe it's that easy. You know, now fire is no longer our enemy. Charlemagne had a tablecloth made of asbestos. Marco Polo even claims, well, historians believe he ran into an asbestos mine. He called it Salamander which is a way cooler name based on, you know, the old idea of salamanders being animals that were immune to fire. We mentioned the heat uh, resistance. We mentioned the water resistance. It's a poor conductor of electricity, which, you know, didn't matter at the beginning of human history, but became progressively more important as technology evolved. But the big question is, what, what does it do? Like, it would be rare to go to a store even even back at the height of asbestos popularity and just by straight up asbestos as by itself, you know? So like um, we, we need to understand what the public liked about it and how it became so common. 
And, and that's the thing. I mean, asbestos was largely used as an additive to strengthen things and make them more fireproof. Um, the large scale asbestos industry started around the mid 19th century and it became hugely popular. By the end of the 19th century, it was used in everything. I think I, I saw a, a, a stat that said there were thousands of products that that had asbestos in them uh, everything from concrete and bricks to cement and pipe insulation drywall and roofing anything that you wanted to make stronger and more resilient to the elements and again fireproofing that was asbestos was was your guy and it made clear sense to do this because people generally don't like buildings on fire and uh, there, the list actually, I cut the list down because it was in so very many things, things that were often uh, invisible to the average person. You wouldn't walk into a building and automatically be able to tell something had uh, that you were walking on concrete that had asbestos as a filler or that asbestos had been sprayed maybe on the walls. Uh, it was able to you know, it was able to provide all the benefits it had as a natural substance, and people were not wrong when they called it a miracle. It's not hyperbole, is what I'm saying, to, to say that this stuff was everywhere. Like Wizard of Oz, for example, one of, you could call asbestos one of the supporting actors in Wizard of Oz. All that fake snow, pure asbestos. The witch's broom, also asbestos. The scarecrow's entire costume, his whole fit, if you guessed asbestos, fellow conspiracy realist, then ding, ding, you are three, four, three. Was that to, to help fireproof it when they set him on fire? When the witch, and the, exactly, the witch's broom caught on fire, the scarecrow catches on fire. It was like a very low tech kind of, you know, back then they also didn't have very much safety precautions on film sets. So they were just like, ah, it's fine to spray it with asbestos and we can catch him on fire and it'll be a cool bit. Yeah, and the Wizard of Oz is its own uh, carries with it its own bevy of conspiracy baggage right. from the, the what aluminum. was it the makeup on the Tin Man was apparently yeah, aluminum. had aluminum in it or something. Mm -hmm. And there's oh, an boy. excellent Atlas Obscura article just about the asbestos aspects that uses the uh, Wizard of Oz's name check, but the story goes much deeper than that. And the Pink Floyd thing is true. Uh, super cool. Yeah, it is super cool. Whether it was cool. intentional or not, it is a thing. It is a phenomenon to behold. I highly recommend anyone that's into the Pink Floyd try doing the, the syncing up of Dark Side of the Moon with the Wizard of Oz. You won't be sorry. And, and as we're going through this, we're talking about it in a movie set. We're talking about kind of the origins of it, but... At the height, this stuff was in absolutely every building constructed, at least within the United States and in many other countries, if it was built essentially from the 1950s uh, onward, some, let's say until the 1970s when it was like fully phased out as a construction or a part of construction. But uh, we're, we're talking about ubiquitous, everything the, from the roof to the ground, there was asbestos in your stuff. And it was even being pitched like to consumers, like to, to individual folks who maybe wanted to do a building project or, you know, do some uh, upgrades on their house. There's this really fantastic ad uh, that uh, we found in a Vice News documentary. It's clearly like, you know, public domain. Uh, if we could play just a couple of seconds of that, it'll give you a sense of like how much a part of the zeitgeist at the time asbestos was. Asbestos is a remarkable mineral, actually stone. It is made up of tiny but extremely strong and flexible fibers. It was absolutely fire safe and water couldn't harm it. We suggest you consider this material for your home. Designed to last a lifetime, a trouble-free lifetime. 
I got to be honest. I love the way people speak in those ads. That's oh, great. Yeah, sometimes they're <laughs> selling terrible things. Um, but but it, there's, there's just something about the pep in there, you know? it's uh, Quite a bit of pep. Quite a bit of pep. I just have to say, living in a house that was built, like right now, where I am, this was built mm-hmm. in the 1950s. So we didn't know whether or not our house was built with asbestos or lead paint or any of those things. Uh, and we, I guess we got some documentation, but it just said, we don't know. So, <laughs> Isn't there a lead paint disclosure clause that has to be in like any lease or, you know, home sale? Uh, it's like it ha- they have to disclose asbestos as well, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yes. But there is a place to sign. Eh, we're unsure if further testing yeah. needed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this uh, <laughs> and this is legal. That's a legal situation we're in now. Um, I, I don't know if it's fair, but that's that's the law of the land. And uh, that happens. Uh, you know what? Actually, if you depend on where you live, folks, you have probably run into this. And it's something that's easy for a lot of people to miss in uh, their lease paperwork or their, you know, uh, when you're signing a contract for a house because you have to sign so many things on so many pages. Uh, just read the fine print carefully. Uh, by the time that like in this era, this post-World War II era, 50s through the 70s, like Matt, you had just said, it got to a point where it would be highly unusual for you to walk into a large building that did not have some form of asbestos. It would be like finding a vegan restaurant in Eastern Europe. They're there, but you have to you have to look pretty pretty carefully. Um so far, it sounds like we're talking about something you would hear on a podcast version of This Old House, right? How do I restore my banister I, with asbestos? Um, but this is a show about critical thinking applied to conspiracies. We said there was a real multi-generational conspiracy afoot here. Why are we talking about it today? It turns out that asbestos has a dark side to its miraculous nature. It may be great at preventing fires, but it's also great at something else, killing human beings. We're, we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we're diving into the dark waters of a miracle substance. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. 
style. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Here's where it gets crazy. There's a huge asbestos cover-up. It's enormous. Think of the biggest cover-up you can imagine. This is bigger. This just mopped it. PVP. You may have already heard about this, but you probably do not know how deep it goes. Yeah, it's like the big brother, the kind of progenitor to the uh, Teflon, you know, uh, PFA cover up uh, featuring DuPont that we've covered in previous episodes. I mean, this is like the OG um, toxic cover up material. Oh, yeah. Agreed. I mean. I was surprised to find – we know that there are a lot of modern complaints and lawsuits and laws and controversies about asbestos today. But the first complaints and concerns, like provable health concerns about asbestos, date back to the 1800s, like 1897, 1899. There was a guy named H. Montague Murray who explicitly noted the deleterious – health effects of this substance. Shout out to our friends on Facebook. I did pay attention. Mm -hmm. You are right. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, So (laughs) uh, you'll see this other, you'll see this claim that people in the days of ancient Rome may have also had concerns about asbestos and its health effects, but there's not really a primary source to back that up. That's just one of those, that's the definition of a factoid, right? Like it sounds like it would be true. It sounds factual, but it's not. It's really the late 1800s is when we see the, um, what I would consider the first modern, let's call them actionable reports of danger here. Ben, thank you for schooling me. I've been using factoid incorrectly for years. I just thought it was like a cute little fact nugget, but it turns out that it is inherently uh, false, right? That's, yeah, but that's the thing, man. Um, with this language, how, 
<laughs> ultimately, we're all kind of crowdsourcing, right? We're all voting. So if enough people use a word one way, if we all act like Alice in Wonderland's Humpty Dumpty, then it just means what we want. That's how you end up with uh, the, the beautiful things in English where you have words like peruse, which are their own antonyms. Right. Peruse means both to just sort of flip through something and then it means also to scrutinize every word and read carefully. So I think a factoid can be both things. And if we can convince our fellow conspiracy realists to agree, then uh, we may have just started the biggest, most unnecessary conspiracy of our careers. Love it. This we've been working towards this whole time, guys. This whole time. So the first clearly documented death due to asbestos occurred in 1906. Um, but again, based on how far back we know the stuff was being used widely, surely there were many, many more that uh, preceded it. But we're talking about the 19th century here. It was a long, long time ago. Um, what exactly makes asbestos bad for human beings? And more importantly, why were people not told of these risks if we had that level of like history? Yeah, the first question is unfortunately pretty easy to answer. Asbestos can cause a number of medical conditions, provable, and a number of certain cancers. And it's not as if it's necessarily always just a contributing factor. In a couple of cases, we'll see that these conditions are almost exclusively caused by asbestos. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like the Riddler or the Joker leaving a trademark piece of swag at the scene of a crime. Uh, it can cause <laughs> it's I mean, I'm not trying to be glib, but that is like if you're a doctor, you can tell there's some conditions that just mean someone ran into asbestos. I'm sorry, I laugh because uh I don't know if you guys have seen the new trailer for the the Batman um, movie that's mm -hmm. coming out, but the Riddler is a character, and the first thing you see in the trailer is like a spooky like push in at a diner to a latte that has a question mark in it. <laughs> like that's wow. like that's the creepy thing he left behind was latte art. I, I couldn't. I thought that was a really odd choice. I'm interested to see where they go with the Riddler because they're trying Me to too. do more of a um, less of a campy vibe. And I like Paul Dano a lot. Like. You know, he, he's a excellent actor and this movie apparently is going to have a lot more, you know, gritty kind of like serial killer vibe. So I'm definitely on board, but I did think it was a little uh, bit of an odd thing to lead with. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. But but if you imagine, you know, you're you're a doctor and again, we're not giving medical advice. If you see someone that has a condition known as mesothelioma, then, you know, asbestos was involved. It was the hand behind mm -hmm. the trigger. I mean, signs of this condition, this is insidious and enormously unjust, signs of this condition might not appear until 30 or 40 years after exposure, which means that somebody could be exposed as a kid, or they could have grown up in a mining town. There were hundreds of those in the US. And then not until later in life, maybe 35, 45 years old, all of a sudden they get these kinds of conditions. And we're also talking cancer of the stomach, colorectum, pharynx, and so on. With mesothelioma in particular, too, you might not see the signs of it for 30 or 40 years, but then it's also the kind of thing that takes a very long time to kill you. And it's very brutal and slow. And, you know, you have to be on oxygen and you just like, you know, short of breath all the time. I think it actually creates... Um, fluid in the lungs so when you when you see people that have it 
their breathing is just the most painful labored thing you could possibly imagine is absolutely heartbreaking uh there's a mining town in um montana libby montana uh, that has been looked at as like a great example of what uh, long-term asbestos exposure does and there's several documentaries about it you can find that where they interview residents and many of them that they talk to for the documentaries are doing just that and it's very hard to watch but i think an important watch and uh, that's not the only problem with breathing that asbestos exposure can cause. There's also this thing where it can scar your lungs. It can physically scar your lungs by breathing in those fibers and the parts that you may not even notice. It's, it's like stuff that's just in the air and you would just be breathing it, especially if you're working near it. But even if you're living near a place where, let's say, explosions occur in a mine, that are trying to get asbestos out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's called asbestosis, and it is another one of those horrible things where yeah. you're just going to be dealing with it because that's what your your life is now. You have scarred lungs, and it's way harder for you to breathe. And you can't unscar the lungs. Exactly. One of the things that makes asbestos such a you know a resilient building material is the idea that it's very hard to destroy. That's also true once it gets into your body, you know? Yeah, yeah. And these fibers on an individual level are microscopic. They are invisible to the unaided eye, which means that if you are walking through an area contaminated with this, you are not going to notice. You are just going to be breathing as normal until you're not. There's another non-cancerous lung condition it causes called pleural disease, uh, which Uh, involves damage to the membrane known as the pleura that surrounds the lung and chest cavities. Uh, And this is what we're listing here, folks. This is not a list of just potential problems. Even today, right now, 2021, asbestos exposure is believed to be the number one cause of work-related deaths in the world. And I haven't seen a dangerous jobs about that on Discovery. Um, But uh, like approximately 90,000 people are going to die from an asbestos-related disease this year. And right now, uh, an estimated 125 million people remain at risk of regular occupational exposure to asbestos. These are not, these are estimates, but these are not, necessarily estimates that are up for debate. People have done the homework. You know, the subreddit for this would be like they did the math or something like that. Uh, Asbestos is still such a dangerous thing because it was embedded in so much of the world's construction for such a long time, but also because the nature of the damage it does uh, means that people will live with it for a long time without knowing that damage has occurred. And a lot of people were involved in the industry. Asbestos mining was huge you know we said there were more there were like hundreds of mining towns there were more than 100 operating mines in the US alone from like the 60s and the early 70s when it reached its height it was the industry was this is weird the industry was growing as awareness of the dangers were growing they were happening at the same time which is kind of unusual uh, well we it, know, it yeah. makes sense why there would be a cover up if those two things oh, yeah. are true oh, right yeah oh yeah yeah I mean, it's profitable. 
And it was mm-hmm. easy to get right out of the ground, you know, in these mining towns. And you ended up with situations where the one town, like Libby, for example, was built around this industry. And even if the, as the people there maybe are starting to worry or be concerned, they also don't want to lose their livelihood. I mean, we know how some of these smaller kind of um, rural towns, if an industry goes belly up, so does the town. So it's it's a weird kind of double-edged sword where they're like, ooh, maybe this is really bad for us, but also we don't really want to lose our one industry so maybe we'll keep our mouths shut about this condition that we might have developed yeah and that goes to local state local level and state level officials that also you know if anybody's lived in a one industry town you know that every job ultimately relies upon that industry even if you're you know like you're the you're the uh family that runs the local diner you've never been in a coal mine but if the coal mine closes, then the diner isn't uh, isn't far off from closing as well. And Matt, you set us up earlier when you talked about open pit mining, which was the primary technique for for mining asbestos in the U.S. and also across the planet. Um, let's maybe talk a little bit about this. What was open pit mining? What makes it different from other types of mining? You've probably seen pictures of a mine like this before. It almost looks like uh, tiered like roads that go around almost in an inverted inverted pyramid style, right? Um, they kind of go down uh, towards the towards the lowest level like that. The way to get the asbestos out in a mining situation like this is to plant explosives in one section. That would, if you imagine it going all across a very long section, and then you'd explode what exists there, then you'd gather all of that up, all of that rock and you know dirt and everything that's in there, and you'd you'd basically get the asbestos and the usable substances and minerals out from that stuff you exploded out from the major rock structure. Yeah, and as you can tell, uh, when those explosions occur. This also fractures or, you know, splinters the asbestos and you have tiny microscopic pieces of contaminant that are in the air and unavoidable without protection. This isn't something where you can just hold your breath. You know what I mean? Not only that, I mean, it's similar to the way radioactive materials are carried, you know, fallout zones, etc. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but this material being so durable, it just kind of goes to the surrounding areas on the wind and then ends up in the water supply and all, all manner of other ways that people can absorb it. The clothing of the miners, say, for example, even like, you know, children or the family members, even if they're not directly breathing the stuff in from the explosion, they might be subjected to it when their family member comes home and the stuff's all over their clothes. Yeah, it's important to note that when it becomes aerosolized like that, it really does get everywhere, including the sand and stones and rocks on beaches and, you know, around waterfronts, on the water itself, on the plant life, on the animals. On I mean, it's just it gets everywhere because it's, it's traveling through the air uh, like this unseen mist that's just permeating everything. Yeah. Forget communism. There's another invisible enemy in America at this time, right? Uh, people were also beginning to understand that asbestos may not be quite the miracle 
manufacturers were telling them it was. By the 1920s, medical journals in this country had already published articles linking asbestos to asbestosis, uh, which, again, if a disease or condition is named after a substance, after the it's, thing. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. hard to say, oh, no, we didn't know. I, you know, uh, there are only yeah. so many letters in the alphabet. Whatever. We'll get to it later, too. But uh, another place that was named after the thing is a mining town in Russia called Asbest. Because <laughs> yeah. they're really proud of their asbestos mining industry that is, uh, 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 unfortunately, I believe, still going on today. Yeah, with a huge monument actually carved of asbestos and everything. Yeah, asbestosis is uh, this fatal lung condition, like you guys were saying, where it, it scars the human breathing mechanism. Doctors, again, back in the 20s, in the 1930s, they were saying, you know, probably the best way to prevent this condition, the scarring of the lungs, is to, you know, limit people's exposure to asbestos. That seems pretty conclusive. Nobody was disagreeing. This wasn't a matter of serious debate amid those in the medical community, but it would still take decades and decades before this stuff was regulated in the U.S. and decades before workers were ever told that their jobs were giving them cancer. So this leads us to another question. Why why the gap in information? Uh, why was it still used so widely, and why is it even being used today? These are questions we'll tackle after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know. 
taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We've returned. So how about that second question? We've answered why and how asbestos is bad for humans. Why wasn't the public aware of these risks? There's no way around this, folks. Scientists had clearly linked asbestos to cancer Right around the 1930s, right around the same time, doctors made real progress in understanding mesothelioma. And some of the progress they made was figuring out, oh, hey, this is pretty much only caused by asbestos. Like the vast majority of these cases are from people who have been exposed to this one substance. And at the same time this evidence began to grow, the influence of very powerful asbestos companies grew as well. Like, make no mistake, you don't maybe hear about them too often in the news, but mining companies are a big deal. They have a lot of political clout in various countries, and they have a lot of financial power because... People are hooked on what they provide from the earth or what they take from the earth. Um, You're literally pulling money out of the ground. Hashtag Black Monday Murders. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Over over the course of four decades, um, if you look at the period from the 40s, 1940s to the 1980s, this group – I don't want to call them a cabal, but this group of uh, manufacturers in the asbestos industry, uh, they grew their business into a multi-billion dollar enterprise. They employed hundreds of thousands of people and they knew, they knew good and damn well that their success depended upon keeping the problems with asbestos a secret for as long as possible. Not a conspiracy theory, actual conspiracy they conspired. They did it. You can see a solid timeline for this on asbestos.com. Um, there is one problem, though. Or not problem, but there's a thing you should know about asbestos.com. It is a for-profit entity. It is there to help you file legal claims for asbestos-related conditions. Still, looking into their research and what they've gathered, even though, of course, you know they would be a biased source, uh, they're 
their research is sound. They know what they're talking about. Um, they go there. If you look at their timeline, which is available for free online, it starts around 1858 with the founding of John's Manville, uh, man, an asbestos manufacturer that will go on to become the top dog in the world in this in this thing. And uh, therefore, they were on the front lines of the cover up. Yeah, the, it really is devastating to actually look at the entire time timeline that they've got there at, at asbestos.com. I would say it's very strange to me that within their timeline, they jump from 1949 to 1962 and there's nothing in the 1950s. And one of the main reasons is because the 1950s was boom time for putting asbestos in things. It was like, let's go boys, get that asbestos in there as quick as we can, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody was worried about, you know, anything else. Well, let's not forget, too, Ben, you mentioned that the town of Asbest in Russia has a sculpture made out of asbestos. So this really was a super versatile material. Like if you look at some of these documentaries we're talking about, you'll see people showing you little artifacts and little trinkets made of asbestos and handling them like it's no big deal. Yeah, exactly. Kind of the same way people uh, would drink out a leaded glass with no worries. You know what I mean? Uh we we see that this this timeline, as you as you guys mentioned, uh, is it's uneven. It has some gaps, uh, but it does generally map out in detail actions by various leaders of industry to suppress the information to keep it from the public. And they were at this for a very long time. Uh, and back in 1929, uh, a group of asbestos manufacturers contacted a guy named Dr. Anthony Lanza who is a medical director at Metropolitan Life Insurance, which we'll get to in a second, asked them to investigate disease among asbestos factory workers. And he came back and he said, hey, you know, these guys all show incredibly high rates of asbestos-related diseases. And they were like, cool, thanks for playing, Doc. And then they buried his results. They suppressed it. They probably had him sign something, uh, agreeing that he wouldn't talk about this. Metropolitan Life Insurance would go on to actively participate in the cover-up to help swindle employees out of medical care, uh, to deny their claims, and so on. Uh, they also manipulated studies to downplay the seriousness of some conditions. Uh, over across the pond in the UK, a manufacturer called Turner & Newell convinced Cough, cough, bribed, cough, cough, British officials to like limit regulations and dial back any safety inspections. It wasn't until like 1964 or so that the tide started turning. And that is sadly because a lot of people saw someone they knew die or be afflicted with some mysterious lung condition. And word on the street, everybody in a given region knew if you live near this mine, if you live in this town, you have a much higher likelihood of not just getting a cancer or a kind of cancer, but a short list of very specific ones. And so this is when asbestos manufacturers did what corporate America calls a pivot. They got out in public and they said, we're as surprised as you. We, we, had, we had no idea. And some people believe them, and maybe they were convincing. But later, internal memos from these companies talking with themselves, like multiple companies conspiring, and court paperwork, depositions, they all prove this was a lie. There's one Bendix uh, Corporation employee from 1966 who wrote, 
You know, if you've enjoyed a good life while working with asbestos products, why not die from it? <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. It's just it's it's terrible. A, it's like a it's it's brilliant copywriting is what it is. Um, but it's also inherently nihilistic and missing the point kind of, you know, um, one of the experts in one of the documentaries I watched, I think it was the vice one said how at this scale, if a company knows what they're putting out in the world is going to kill you, then they are committing mass murder. They may not know who it's going to kill or when it's going to kill them, but if they're, you know, maintaining that level of negligence, uh, you know, in favor of profit over, you know, human rights, then they are in fact mass murderers. Well, let's talk about the Bendix concept really quickly. The one that you just mentioned there, Ben, um, with regards to all of this. Imagine that you are working for a company and you've been working there for a long time. You've been making pretty good money. You've been supporting, let's say, your family, right? And you're continuing to make pretty good money. You find out that by working there, by exposure to whatever chemical you're dealing with, you are likely going to die at some point from a disease that's going to cause inside of you. Uh, you know, and if you're informed with that information, you can make the decision to continue working there, to continue to support your family until you do eventually die. Um, and that's, that is one thing for me. That's one decision, right? What if you find out that you're n not the only one that's going to die in your family because you're doing that, that maybe everybody in your family is going to be exposed to the same stuff because they're using the products. It's not just the manufacturing process. It's also the use sure. of the product. Well, like that to me is a whole different, I, it's just a whole of different quandary. <laughs> yes. But wasn't it not until like the 2000s even that like the World Health Organization actually made a stand on this or that it was, you know, really kind of considered verboten? Because I, I have distinct memory of going to this high school. I've mentioned this before um, where it was an old building and we got a new school, brand new shiny school and everyone, you know, moved to the new school, but the old school was known to be an asbestos hazard. And there was all of this like efforts to do this asbestos removal. So this wouldn't have been in the 2000. This was probably in like the mid nineties. So when did the public consciousness really shift and like cancel asbestos in the United States, Ben? Uh, in the United States, the first lawsuits date back to 1971 Mm. which is still almost a century after those concerns were first raised. Uh, and court evidence has gone on to show that multiple companies contributed knowingly to this. Uh, some had, like we said, buried research. Others had kept information from their employees, like to the point where you'd have to see the company doctor and the company doctor wouldn't show you your x-rays and you would just be, they they would just have you continue working as normal until you died or were physically unable, you know, to breathe well enough to work the mine. Okay, so it was 1978 when the United States officially banned asbestos. But because it had been used for so long, that means that all of these homes were just chock full of asbestos, like my high school. And so then asbestos removal became a whole industry. And I think off my or off air, Ben, you were mentioning how it's like one of the least regulated, like, you know, oh, anybody, any schmuck can like be an asbestos removal technician. And uh, I mentioned that in The Sopranos, there was a subplot where they were running a racket for asbestos removal because, you know, the idea would be, yeah, remove it from the, the place, but then you got to do something with it so it's not further contaminated 
contaminating, you know, other people's water supplies or whatever it needs to be dealt with in some sort of, you know, particular way. But in the show, they just dumped it into, <laughs> into like the East River. Um, isn't it interesting, though, how like, you know, science kind of creates a thing that is then used and then science has to create a solution. Um, and it's also wrapped up in industry and just money making. And so corners get cut and we're probably still dealing with the fallout from asbestos today. Absolutely. Yeah. If we, if we look back at this timeline, um, we know that once John's Manville became the number one manufacturer of this substance, uh, we, we can actually do, Something I usually don't like to do, which is to put a face on a nefarious corporate activity. But we'll give you a single person to think about. His name is Lewis H. Brown. Um, the scientific term for him would be a real piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> in, in 1984, there was this deposition where uh, these different... These different attorneys and officials were describing a meeting that had occurred between Lewis H. Brown, uh, an attorney for Johns Manville called Van Diver Brown, no relation, I believe, and officials from another firm making asbestos called Unarco. And this guy, Charles Romer, is talking this deposition, and he recalls uh, interchange Lewis Brown had about his employees' health. And he says, quote, I'll never forget. I turned to Mr. Brown. One of the Browns made this crack that Unarco managers were a bunch of fools for notifying employees who had asbestosis. And I said, Mr. Brown, do you mean to tell me that you would let them work until they drop dead? He said, yeah, we save a lot of money that way. Just straight out said it, you know. In a deposition? No, no, the um, Romer is saying this in a deposition. Brown's not there. No, I, I don't think he had quite that level of chutzpah. <laughs> okay, I don't. I'm not even going to take it back because I was confused because the level of chutzpah this guy had almost would would be the kind of thing where he'd be like, "Yeah, I did it. Of course, you know what else was I going to do? We got to make money. Um, Ask save the shareholders. Yeah, what am I <laughs> yeah, going to be exactly. poor? I'm going to be a poor. I swear, if I have to go from being super rich to just rich, I'm going to kill myself. And he's That's like, yeah, Mr. Show. And he's like, yeah. he's like, your honor, I dismiss this case. And the judge is like, That's not how courts work, That's bro. Not, you don't get that <laughs> luxury. So this is really just kind of like, you know, Ben, to your point, kind of like a, a, a little bit of a snapshot of how callous some of the people at the top were. Uh, they knew people were dying. They absolutely didn't care when the public outcry led to all of these lawsuits. The government finally did take action and impose regulations. And like I said, in 1978, the stuff was outright banned. Um, and now when we think of asbestos, what do we think of? We think of the bad stuff. We think of it's the stuff, this legacy stuff that was in everything and now is like a boondoggle on our, you know, public health. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, asbestos removal continues to this day. Oh, yeah, it is still because there's so many buildings. Think, you know, we can't really understate how ubiquitous this stuff was. It's like if all of a sudden a toilet became a toxic thing, just the concept of the toilet. I was in New York recently on vacation. I was like, for some reason, because I do dumb things like this. I was like, I wonder how many toilets there are in New York City. It's a lot. It's going to be a lot. And with asbestos, it's not even only in one product. It's in all of these building materials. So the idea of asbestos removal is a generational concept. 
You know, I mean, it's they're going to keep doing it. Wouldn't it be funny if Johns Mansville was the number one worldwide asbestos removal corporation in 2022? Ooh, Ooh. that's a now that's a pivot. <laughs> yeah, now that's, that's a serious. Yeah, yeah. let's that's let's go from like yeah, capitalism. Yeah. We 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 like we infected everyone. We exposed everyone to asbestos, and now we see the error of our ways. And also, it happened to align with a real good money making scheme of removing the <sighs> asbestos that we put into the world. I mean, well, good advertising is always about creating a need instead of identifying it. Um, and we do want to point out, you know, like just to, for example, when I said at the top that people, you you were probably personally affected by this in some way. Uh, just for an example from our own lives, uh, the building in which our office is based, Pont City Market, had to get a deep clean uh, to remove lead-based paint and asbestos. And I do want to say the people who are working in the asbestos removal industry right now are doing a good thing. And it's not easy. And it is dangerous. And there's not it's not really a um, an operation with an end in sight because there's so much there. In a very real way, the current generations are, are paying for the mistakes of generations past. And other companies definitely helped with this. There are still lawsuits continuing. If we look at asbestos today, right now, like in this year, asbestos will kill 12,000 to 15,000 people in the U.S. alone. Oh, people in Johns Mansville, by the way, pulled a Sackler. They didn't go to jail. You don't go to jail yeah, when you're at they that never level. Do. No, no, you don't. And 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 just uh, to answer a question that I asked a while ago, like when you do dispose of asbestos, it's not like it's disappearing. The whole point of this stuff was like like plastics and microplastics or whatever. It doesn't really decay. It doesn't um, biodegrade. So they really just have to like seal it in containers, sort of like nuclear waste, and then put it in an asbestos. Asbestos disposal site, um, which essentially, I guess, at that point becomes a Superfund site, or it's like a toxic hazardous waste disposal thing, like Yucca Mountain or something, you know? Mm -hmm. So make no mistake, this is a genuine multi generational conspiracy of the most common and disappointing sort. There's nothing occult going on here, there's no weird spiritual thing. It's just people who had money and wanted more money and didn't care about who died as a result. This is the quintessential like conspiracy. Like this is the Occam's razor of conspiracies. We don't need there to be some spooky ulterior motive. You know, it just makes sense. Oh, there's a thing that people want to buy that we can sell for a long time. Oh, it kills them a little bit. Mm, it's fine. They won't figure that out for a while. Let's just keep draining them of their cash for as long as possible. And then when we, you know, when the uh, public outcry becomes like large enough, we'll pivot and then be like, oops, sorry. And then we're fine. We're, we're as surprised as you are. And this, by the way, this is not ancient history. As we had mentioned before, uh, while there are no active asbestos mines here in the U.S. where we record this show, there are plenty of asbestos mines around the world now, especially as we foreshadowed, in Russia. Noel, you and Matt and I watched uh, that Vice documentary we mentioned several times. Um, you can also see some pretty harrowing studies about what's going on there. But asbestos manufacturing, open pit mining of asbestos is alive and well uh, with, our, with our neighbors in Russia. 
Well, I mean, I mentioned that like they are so proud of it. Like again, there's a term I I learned in that Vice documentary. It's called a mono town, which we have these in the United States as well. Like, I mean, when the housing market collapsed, a lot of places in the Midwest and even in here in the South that exclusively existed to do, say, carpet manufacturing or like certain things that were specifically for, you know, housing or like uh, construction, they just absolutely, their, their uh, unemployment rates were, uh, you know, near a hundred percent. And in Russia, it is the same, but it's not even regulated. I mean, none of this stuff is regulated because it's all the behest of Putin. They really don't care about human rights or like, you know, um, public health exactly in the same way. I mean, maybe there's like a calculus they do to make sure that like their whole population doesn't die high out. It reminds me a lot of what happened with Chernobyl, where, I mean, there was this absolute public health catastrophe that took place, but they didn't announce it for a long time, a very long time, the amount of time that led to a huge amount of people getting exposed to radioactive fallout. And if you've seen the Chernobyl, you know, miniseries on HBO or read much about it, you understand that it becomes this almost like 1984 kind of mentality where it's like, we don't make mistakes. So if something went wrong, it, it didn't really go wrong. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Like it would be, um, you know, there, there's a really good, look at this in when we see Stalin era stories where, um, oh gosh, I recently watched a film that was kind of a critical bomb, but it had uh, Tom Harding and Gary Oldman in it. And it's about attempting to find a, a serial killer in the USSR. And the whole problem is that Stalin has decreed murder as a capitalist crime. So they can't, they're <laughs> exactly. not allowed to investigate homicides because they, because they, they don't, don't happen exist. <laughs> right. Exactly. 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 And it's this is wild. very, very dangerous. Yeah. And we, we know that people have been, uh, people have been trying to get asbestos out, to get the message out. And uh, industries have been also in their defense, they've been working to limit asbestos use and, you know, asbestos removal, as you said, is an industry, it's all its own. But I found this really interesting quote from a guy named Jock McCullough. And he said the following, the industry's survival has been largely due to its success in keeping alive the fiction that asbestos can be used safely. Arguably, its most potent weapons have been the suppression of evidence about the hazards of asbestos and even the corruption of science aimed to promote doubt about the minerals' toxicity. This interview is not from the 1960s. Matt, no, this interview is from 2006. The problem is real. The problem is huge. It is still here. And at this point... You know, we said this episode was going to be a bummer. Here's why. First, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people have died. More will die this year and the year after that. But secondly, there's not really a clear, easy solution. There's not a way to undo the consequences of this conspiracy. Um you know, no, I would even say at this point, we pass the torch to our fellow conspiracy realists. We want to hear what you think. I would not be surprised if we have friends in the audience today who themselves work in some branch of the asbestos removal industry, right? What do you think? Yeah, I don't know anybody personally, but um, it absolutely is a thing that continues to be uh, one of those dirty jobs they talk about. But this is probably not one that they really <laughs> have done an episode on um, because it is so heavy. Uh, and it is an example of like, oh, no one else will do this job. Well, I'll do it. It probably pays a decent hourly wage, but um, 
at what cost? At least here, I mean, when, when in that um, documentary on Vice, when they're in the town of Asbest, um, they talk to people that work at the mines and they don't wear any protective gear. They borderline don't even acknowledge the dangers of the stuff. Um, and then there's a few scientists that they interviewed, you know, from Russia who are like uh, the, the most telling one was there's a scientist. Um, who was actually contracted by the World Health Organization to do research on asbestos um, effects in the town of Asbest. And the vice journalist point blank just said, so there's people in this town that live near an open pit mine, an open asbestos pit mine. Is asbestos dangerous? And this like super cool calculated like company man Russian scientist says, well, life is dangerous. I mean, that's about as dismissive as you can get. Yeah, it's definitely an answer to a different question. Russia is by far the world's largest producer of asbestos today. Uh, in like any way you look at it, the second place would be Kazakhstan. Uh, they make Russia makes seven hundred ninety thousand metric tons. Kazakhstan makes. 210,000 metric tons. At least that's what they did last year. Mm-hmm. And the numbers don't seem set to uh, to go down anytime soon because industries still use this stuff. So at this point, folks, we've laid out the case. We want to hear from you. What is to be done? What should be done? What What's your take? And then are there stories of other substances like asbestos that have been the subject of multi-generational conspiracies, corruption, and cover-ups? Let us know. We try to be easy to find online. Oh, the internet. We're on it. You can find us on uh, Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube, most importantly, under the handle Conspiracy Stuff. Check out the YouTube channel. We do polls of every one of these episodes that we do, um, usually a cool little 10-minute clip. And then if you don't want to listen to the whole episode, check that out. But usually it'll make you want to listen to the whole episode. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, where we are the handle at Conspiracy Stuff Show. You can also find us as individual people. I am at How Now Noel Brown on Instagram. How about you, bud? You can uh, you can get a look backstage at the research I'm doing and my various misadventures at Ben Bolin, HSW on Twitter, uh, at Ben Bolin on Instagram, B-O-W-L-I-N. Uh, good pal Matt has become a conscientious objector to yes. social media. Uh, I fully, so out I of fully respect, support him. I fully support him in this yeah. endeavor. Yeah, so out of respect for him, uh, we'll we'll leave it to him to uh, maybe share his social media at a later date. For now, if you don't particularly sip the social meets, never fear. There's another way you can contact us. We have a phone number. It is one eight three three S T D W Y T K. Leave a message at the sound of Ben's dulcet tones. Three minutes of the time you will have to tell your tale. Let us know what to call you. Give yourself a cool nickname, or tell us not to call you anything and to anonymize you completely. We will absolutely do that. And you might hear yourself on one of our weekly listener mail episodes. And if that is not your bag, you can reach out to us the good old fashioned way with an email. We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. 
I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. After six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. 